podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome, lovely listeners, to the Anfield Index podcast. It's episode number 249, and I'm Trev Denny. I'm podcasting to you from beautiful rural Ireland. Uh, I'm post-knee operation and incredibly, incredibly low-level delirious, and I don't mean that in a good way, from the various medications that I've been prescribed. So if I start to wander... Um, Carl Kopak, who's puffed up on his own glory, having been a presenter at a Ripperology event recently, uh, said he'll step in and take over. So that's nice, isn't it? That's nice to know you've got that little bit of a little bit of a cushion there in the background. Critically um, acclaimed, thank you, Downey. Critically acclaimed. I, I hope you do realise, listeners, you will never hear the end of this. The fucker's already launching his own podcast, theoretically, if I'm to judge his Twitter feed by anything. It's gone to his head, lads. It's gone to his head. So anyway, uh, I want to get started. Um, I will be joined by Carl. I will be joined by Cam, who's who's recovering himself. He had man flu, poor, poor Cam. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing how that's affecting him. Um, and we will, of course, have Guy Drinkle in the background doing producer things and monitoring the nonsense. Now, this week is a strange week because, like I said, I've been able to sort of take a step back and have a look at what's going on around me a bit because, you know, not being able to move does that to you. Um, and, you know, I don't want to get overly serious about anything here, and I'm not going to, but I just noticed, you know, the most incredible of all um trump tweets came out uh, in the last 24 hours where he was talking about his great and unmatched wisdom and warmongering essentially and saber rattling and all those kind of things we come inured to but at the same time it was next level crazy and it sort of rattled me a little bit to the extent that i went off to distract myself by watching a lot of Chris Morris and the day today, uh, because back in those days where he was lampooning the news, um, it seemed as if it was genuinely mad and, and, um, it was satire and that kind of thing could never happen. And yet I would recommend you all go and have a look at one particular clip from, uh, Chris Morris and the day today called war, which is, Frankly, it's frankly stunning. It uh, you, you've seen a car. It's frankly stunning. I mean, yeah, it it's, it's basically where there's a whole thing going over and back between Australia and New Zealand. He gets two guys on and he uh, basically he, as the media, uh, gets them into a frenzy where they've gone from an accord to war within two, three minutes. And suddenly the studio's war ready. And it was just a wonderful, wonderful satire. However, I decided to do something a little bit different. And we are going to have a little bit of Chris Morris, but it's not as heavy as all that. I just want to link in and so you can understand my thought process. This is Chris and his um, outside broadcast specialist, Peter O'Hanra, Hanrahan. Uh, and there's a little bit going over and back. It's about two minutes. Bear with it. It's worth your while. A debate in Europe ended this afternoon as finance ministers agreed new quota rates for trade with the United States. 
in Brussels is our economics correspondent, Peter O'Hanrahan. <laughs> Peter, what is the new rate? It's 30%, Chris. Agreement was a long time coming, but in the end, the decision was unanimous. What was the Germans' reaction? Because they've been holding out for 40%, haven't they? That's right. Uh, when I spoke to Finance Minister Reinhardt earlier today, he said he didn't like the deal, but he had to go along with it. Really? You spoke to him yourself. You managed to pin him down. He's a pretty tricky man, isn't he? That's right. Where did you get hold of him? He was in the hotel. And you conducted a conversation with him about the quota rates? That's right. He said he didn't like it, but he had to go along with it. What language did you conduct this conversation in, Peter? <laughs> German. <laughs> you spoke to him about the technicalities of the deal in German? Yes. So what's the German for 30%? Twenty percent. Yes. And what about that quote you attributed to him? I don't like it, but I'll have to go along with it. That's what he said. How did he say it? I don't like it, but I'll have to go along with it. <laughs> In German, how did he say it? Ich nichten lichten. Presumably you mean rufen Sie ein Taxi bitte, sonst verpasse ich meinen Flug. Yes. No, you don't, Peter, because that means get me a taxi, I'm late for my plane. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question. Did you speak to the German finance minister about the new deal this afternoon? No. And what was his reaction? I don't know. Peter, thank you. Mine was when dental care... Uh, <laughs> uh, there's lots more to enjoy. And if you Peter, are... you've lost the news. It's just tremendous stuff. And, and it's, there's uh, another one as well where um, it's actually not on the programme, it's a DVD outtake where... Um, he is reporting on the midterms on September 11, 2001 from New York. And Peter Hanrahanrahan has very obviously slept in and, and has missed out the World Trade Center. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And, 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 he, and he says, reporting on top of the restaurant from the World Trade Center. He says, you're there now, are you, Peter? Yeah. He yeah, yeah. goes over New York. Lovely sunny day. Peter, put the, put the TV on, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's absolutely. I, I actually watched that one last night as well. Uh, you can get all of these on YouTube, possibly. Uh, if, 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 if you take this as a Danny recommend as opposed to Carlback recommend at the end, uh, heartily recommend it. Um, so do get onto those. Carl, you can hear, uh, we've had a few bits of input from them already. Uh, how's things with you? I know you're fresh from your, uh, stint as MC, uh, lectern and all. Obviously very enjoyable. Um, tell us, uh, in a nutshell what that was all about and then maybe your opening thoughts. So basically, the conference is called the East End Conference, and it's about, I think it's about 70 people altogether. Uh, in two days, uh, we had eight speakers altogether. Um, I'm a member of the Whitechapel Society as well, and it's done uh, with them. And they asked me not only to be one of the organizers, but to MC it, which is a first for me. Um, and it, I, I very, it's nerve wracking if you've never done something like that before, because, I mean, you know this, Trev, it's, it's not just the fact that You've got to introduce people, but you basically got to be informative and witty in the very second you're thinking. And that yeah. was really hard. So I'm not used to that at all. So I really liked it. It's just why I'm going to do my own podcast soon, which I will talk about at some other point. Um, but that's looking like that might be announced soon as well. Um, but um, my opening quote is basically something that's been on my mind at the moment, which is Wales. And I'll explain why in a minute. Wales, the country. Um, and it's this quote. You might get this, Trevor, actually. Time passes. Listen, time passes. Come closer now. Only you can hear the houses sleeping in the streets in the slow, deep salt and silent black bandaged night. Don't know who that is, but I love it. It's Underwood. 
Dylan Thomas. Ah, of course, Dylan Thomas, right. And, uh, and and the reason I'm thinking about Wales quite so much is on October the 19th, I don't think you know this, actually, on October the 19th, um, the, uh, a friend of the show, Serena, and I are climbing Snowden. I, I do, from following the yeah. AI Twitter, or Instagram, rather. Uh, I yeah. saw your new boots, pal. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, nice. yeah I, tried, I tried them today. Very nice. Very pleasant. Uh, I would. Can I can I make a, a hearty recommendation as a, a veteran of many mountains? Uh, in fact, all the mountains. Do you see those boots? Break those yeah. bastards in. Yeah, that's what I, I did a big walk on them today. Yeah, yeah. I said the same. Yeah, break your, break them in. It's great to have them for the ankle support, but by Christ, they can hurt like a bitch if you haven't broken them in. Yeah, um, I said the same. And Snowden's no joke, you know. Snowden's no joke. I'm, I'm, we're doing the pig track. Which apparently is um, is not so bad as the others, but it's still it's still you still got to get up Snowden. <laughs> it's not easy. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's 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 rewarding as be Jesus though. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it, and is it just you and Serena doing it, or are you doing yeah. a, part yeah. of a part of a group? Excellent. And when when's that plan for, man? Uh, that's going to be October the nineteenth, um, and um, uh, I'm doing that because next year I want to do Hadrian's Wall on my own. All eighty nine miles of it in six days. As uh, as a fundraiser, possibly yeah, probably will do yeah. But I just want to sort of like have a week on my own, and uh, I've got dead into walking and things recently, so it's my old age. I, I like the concept, man. I like the concept a lot. Right. Well, let's move across to our other main man, Cam Branch. How's the man flu, brother? Yeah, yeah. Are you surviving? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, self inflicted. Uh, idiotically but that's that's me all over isn't it so how, uh, how do you how do you self-inflict a man flu well if you wander around in shorts and t-shirt and then go out in the garden and mow the lawn in your shorts and t-shirts and then all right go and fill the car up with fuel in shorts and t-shirts in the cold weather you're sort of asking for a bit of trouble aren't you uh, oh. but it's, it's viral not cold it's viral yeah, it's man flu whatever you want to call it you oh, you know, i'm a drama queen what makes you think I've got clothes on now, Carl? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always aware that the kimono is swinging open. There you go, then. During presentations. <laughs> just for for the record, um, uh, you might want to just tuck in. You see there around your left knacker. Because, <laughs> <laughs> no. honestly, honestly, it's just as well the listeners can't see this. But, you know, obviously we video Skype these calls. And, dude, that's, that's uh, you know, no, nobody needs that. Oh, it's, tw- oh. it's twig and berries. Yeah. <laughs> <Twigging> berries, yeah. <laughs> You're being generous, Carl. <laughs> uh, what hey, Trev, Trev, before yeah. I go, um, on a scale of one to ten, um, how high are you right now? I'm so high. Yeah. Oh Jesus Christ! I'm so fuck. I, I I was talking to my old man just before we went live, and I contradicted myself within three sentences, and I honestly don't know why. Just I said whatever came into my head, which is why I'm a little bit nervous about this whole t- uh, enterprise this evening. But let's see how it goes. Uh, before how you is the name? How is the name? Come on, tell the listeners. They're dying uh, tonight. This, it's 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 fine. Listen, it's an arthroscopy. It's it's keyhole surgery. Um, and yeah, I have, I've had that done uh, on a torn cartilage. Well, this, this is this is the most amazing thing about it is that everybody like, since I realized at 46 I was going to have to have this thing. I'm 46 this week. Um, Everybody I've spoken to, every second person 
has had it and they all had it in their 20s and stuff so that made me feel a little bit better that like you know it's not like i'm getting decrepit and it was actually carl i got this actually from fucking about coming down too fast on the mountain and stopping myself uh, uh from you know um sliding completely off it uh so uh, yeah it, 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 it was one of those things that could happen to anybody but the only i see I, I never get injuries the only other injury i've ever had was a major one i i ruptured my achilles and that was catastrophic uh, and i was i was like uh, thigh high plaster and all that shit for um i think it was 10 weeks something like that it was nine ten weeks. it was ridiculous i was totally totally um um basically the 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 calf muscles uh don't match on, uh, on my legs anymore because of that 10 week period of muscle wastage and all that I, I can't get them to match up but 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 i would say i recovered so quickly from that like sort of stupid quickly so i'm hoping that that'll happen the same again here now uh and i'll soon be back to my usual mess and um maybe maybe i'll be maybe i'll be time to do snowden with uh with young young cop back in serena next year as well so let's hope hopefully that that could be a plan there's a there's a pod outing in the in the uh in the future uh talk to us about your i think you've got some questions for us do you i do have questions and a, a sort of quote but the relevance will be which which we'll do first, brother. I'll leave it. I'll do the I'll do the questions first because the the quote will lead into what we want to talk about. I'm guessing. So, um, all right then. Here's the qu- first question, and it's first answer only, guys. All right, not ten multiple choice things. However, you you, you guys yeah the, the the downy technique is just yeah yeah get there eventually. You know. Quiz champion, Danny. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay then. Who scored the winning goal? To secure, to secure Jurgen Klopp's first Premier League win as manager for Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah. One answer. Firmino. No. Stephen Colker. So close. Did he score? It's it, 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 a weird. Oh, I think I know it is. It's Emery. No, you, you've you've had two em, now. Emery scored in his first first. He scored the first Klopp goal. Remember that. Go on then. Who was it? Uh, the lad from Nike. Oh shit! Okay. Okay. Well, he doesn't Makes count. Him. He doesn't count. Um, who yeah. did we play that day? Who did? Who was Jurgen Klopp's first Premier League win against? Arsenal. Nope. Copper, uh Downey. <sighs> I don't know. I, I I don't know. I don't remember this type of stuff. Neither do I. That's why I'm asking it. Uh, Chelsea, 31st okay. of October 2015. And it was a win. It was a win. One and a hazard at the Oh, the 3-1 game, yeah. Yeah, yeah well done. Uh, oh, there, I think somebody got one, one, one right. So, um, uh, any idea? Uh, Phil got two that day. Who got the third? Christian Benteke. Yep. Okay, for Chelsea, the scorer was Santos do Nascimento, who is also known as Oscar. Nope. Oh, it's William then. Okay. Nope. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, Ramirez. Well, just keep saying all the Brazilian names. You get there eventually, won't you? Lampard. <laughs> <laughs> Ramirez. It was a Ramirez. Yeah. Hang on. His second Ramirez real name is Don Nascimento. That's Pele's real name as well, isn't it? 
Edson Arantes. No, Edson Arantes. No, I'm telling you, Pele's real name is Edson Arantes de Nascimento. Pretty positive about it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Cam. Next question. No, that's it. That's all the questions. I've, I've, I've done. I can't. I can't get any more out of that. So um, I'll go with my little. Uh, I think uh, we'll have to give that one to uh, Copac Downing. What we're going to say. Yeah. Was, did, you get, did you get a question right? Did yeah. yeah. Got Benteke right. Got Benteke right. Got Benteke. No fair play. Yeah, uh, absolutely. He, even he just passed it in. He didn't smash it. He just passed it. That's I, why he could play for this team now, like he said. It is weird about Benteke, isn't he? So that's how we, he was just absolutely deadly for Villa, and then he's just like the, he the, tore the, it. The, didn't he tore, uh, tear his Achilles? Yeah, he's got one of the best ever Liverpool goals I've ever seen as well. Against and, United, right? Yeah. The overhead, yeah. And then, um, and now like there was, a, because I've got a mate who's a Palace fan, he, he hadn't scored from open play in two years or something. He was nice. only goals with penalties and he missed most of them as well. <laughs> and now he's being like, now he's behind Jordan Ayew in, uh, in, in, the, in the, the order at uh, Palace. Mm. Fallen from grace, that's for sure. Yeah. Right, my quote. Sodium chloride, commonly known as salt, is an ionic compound with the chemical formula NaCl, representing a one-to-one ratio of sodium and chloride ions, with molar masses of 22.99 and 35.45 grams per mole, respectively. 100 grams of NaCl contains 39.34 grams Na and 60.66 grams Cl. So this is, you're trying to pass this, what you just read out there, uh, off as a quote as opposed to a section from a textbook. Well, it's not quote, sorry. It's more salt as in leading to all the salty fans about <laughs> so you this is where you're driving us you're driving us to the salt mines because I, I you're think, talking yeah. about you're talking about the reactions this is where you want to go this I is do. where you want to go for our opening conversation yeah, so why, do why, why don't why don't you why don't you get there first because the salt has been tangy as all hell and it started a long time ago and it started the minute that Liverpool became an actual threat. I've told you this story in the podcast before. I'll tell it again. I remember being in, uh, standing in a pub urinal beside a row of gents and the Man United man beside me looking at me and going, ah, you know, we, we were doing reasonably well in the game against him. It was halftime. And he said, like, yeah, sure, even if you do win. And he said to me in his best Navin action, accent, Yous are no threat. In other words, doesn't really matter. You're not on our radar. We have become a threat. We are a clear and present danger to every, every club at the moment. And we are part of an elite two at the moment as well. The other part of that elite two, that's probably the saltiest of all. But Cam, where were you going with it? Tell me where you're seeing this particularly pronounced uh, edge. Well, the, for me, the salt actually really, really started four years ago today. And four years ago today, we announced that Jurgen Klopp was becoming manager of Liverpool Football Club. And if you look at the progression we've made in those four years, there's a mountain of salt out there now. 
It's bigger than Everest. It's phenomenal. I'm not climbing Everest. <laughs> not in those boots. No. <laughs> not yet, you're not, Carl. Not no. yet. After, after, after you've done your... After, after, after you've done your Hagrid's World War, after after I've declared, I'm going to make a big speech to the, to the country of Wales. The top. <laughs> what you need to do is you need to carry that lectern under your arm to the top. Yeah, now we're talking. And yeah. now and, and deliver an address on um I don't know uh the first I don't know you, you you'll come up with something inspiring yeah. to do with uh, Ripperology, but. But, 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 but Cam, back to the point you're making. Yeah, where it is, I mean, obviously the, the fume around that penalty decision on Saturday. And to a certain extent at the time, I could sort of see why there is fume. Because let's just go back about th- uh, 45, no, uh, to, to the first half. And Trent goes down, the he slides in and goes down the back of um, uh, Tillman's Achilles, doesn't he? And it gets given for a corner, but there was a VAR check for red, see if it was a red card. Yeah. So if he's doing a VAR check, see if it's a red card, that means it was a foul. Why else would you do a VAR check to see if it's a red card? It, yeah, it, let, 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 let's, let's not, just yeah. for this particular yeah. episode, go into the idiocy of VAR and the way it's being applied, yeah, no, because no. I get angry but this is my point. This, this is where my point is going. It wasn't VAR that gave us the penalty. Had nothing to do with VAR. Can I? If you took, if you took, if you take VAR out out of the equation, the referee gave the penalty. He didn't go to VAR and said, "I need to check it." He gave the penalty. Yeah, and it it wasn't overturned because it wasn't clear and obvious. As we know, this is the new uh, paradigm we we exist in. Yeah, everybody knows this. And also, it's a fucking penalty. Well, he actually, if you if you go back and look at the replay... I have, I have, Cam, I know what Sad, you're going to say. was actually hit twice. Uh, yeah, and I know what you're going to say, and he takes a step, and the step that he oh. takes is a deliberate step, in oh, which he, he, could probably, he could probably have stayed in his feet, and then he realises, I'm being a fucking idiot here, I've been fouled, and he goes down. And it's that half second of uh, being a good enough athlete to stay in his feet that he's getting punished for here and everyone's yeah. taken him there's enough contact end of story there was a foul on him it's i'm sorry but it's all it's redundant but now carl i'm gonna let you in here because i know you wanted to, to add to this but if you look at uh, gary lineker's commentary if you look at uh, the the two the mitchell brothers there on 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 Match of the day, uh, Shearer and uh, our our ex player uh, Danny Murphy. If you look at dopes like uh, Andy Gray, they're 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 actually upset. They're upset about that decision. Good. I can't, I can't understand why they're upset, but except I can't understand why, and it all comes back to this salt. I say it again: we're a clear and present danger. Where we are emerging, the Reds are fucking massive. Carl, what were you going to say about? It? Well, first thing I want to talk about the penalty. I mean, I always think when something like that happens, the player who is guilty of the foul, their reaction is always the most honest one. And if you look what happens, the referee point, points at the foul, but, and before he points at the penalty spot, um, Albrighton's on his knees with his hands on his face. Yeah, because he, he knows, knows what he, he knows yeah. that's a penalty. Yeah. I've just, I've just really bought it. He's done me there because he's basically just stopped. He's got behind him and he's just, he's just turned around and he's just hit him and he knows it's a penalty. There's nothing you can do about that. Um, 
I think a fair bit. Of, again, I've written about this week. Out tomorrow um, about about this very thing. I don't think that's an anti-Liverpool thing as such. I think it's a narrative build because it's no good for Sky or the BBC match of the day or anyone like that if somebody runs away with the league because it gets dull. And then some people are suddenly just talking about top four, which isn't as sexy as talking about the, the, the championship. So they're trying to build in a narrative where there is going to be a day when Liverpool drop points. We are not going to win 38 straight games. Although, to be honest, I'll take it. But um, so it's going to be, there's going to be a weekend where we're going to draw, City are going to win, the gap's, gap's going to be down to six. And then the narrative is going to change from rampant Liverpool to. Bartley um, Liverpool. Bartley yeah, Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah, oh, and, and resurgence, Pep's yeah. resurgence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, 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 you that's know, that's what the narrative is. That's what's going to happen because they did it last year. They did it last year, but <clears throat> what they're doing, they're, they've they've already started with the false equivalencies and to go back to Cam's idea of salt and 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 my idea of of and I I, I know I know what you're saying, but I'll kind of bow to Nolan on this. There is. There is a sort of angst that creeps into media um, commentary about Liverpool that doesn't get reflected in, in any other club. The, the, there, there was a false equivalency being, equivalency being made between the lead that we had last year and a much further advanced stage. When City had games in hands, yeah. When City which had is, a game in Which isn't a lead. So the, the, I think, if I'm doing the sums right, it was a seven-point gap which City had a game in hand. And we could have perhaps then at that point made it a 10-point gap and instead it got reduced. And City, and City had the game in hand. Yeah. So it was not even the equivalent of this now. And do you know what really makes me laugh is people who say, um, sorry, every one of us, a rash, every rational human here will say, that's it's only eight games. And we all know what that means. But can I also just offer the counterpoint to that? It's only eight games, and we have eight points on them already. So, can you can you maybe it's it's this inability to embrace nuance that's society affliction. I mean, on the one hand, you've got the calm, rational. It's only eight games. It's a good start, and that's where we all are logically. But you also have to be allowed and allow yourself to enjoy the giddy of the fact. This is my article. This is great. Really? (laughs) This is my entire article. You are eight points clear after eight games. That is the reality of what we're living now. And please, just... This is the new six. We've just exchanged numbers. Because everyone was talking about six in the summer, and now everyone's talking about eight. Yes. Just enjoy it. Fucking hell. It's remarkable. It is unprecedented. And... It's, for me, uh, more enjoyable than any of the things that were going on when I was a kid because now I feel like I suffered for so long and this is just glorious and calm to come fully back to you. And I want to just let you finish off this point because you introduced I'm going to say something really controversial. It it is. It is. This is about Joe Gomez again. I'm not listening. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We, we, me and Carl were talking about this afterwards lightly. We, we we thought we'd let you off lightly, but I think you, <laughs> both of us were full of disdain for your Joe Gomez opinion. Anyway, um, from. anyway, 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 it is all about Jurgen Klopp. We're not going to do a big sentimental Jurgen Klopp show here. We might do one at some stage. Maybe next week we'll do that when everyone else is talking about something else. But Christ alive, the guy is, has been transformative in a way that we haven't seen and the club hasn't seen. I know... 
whistle through your teeth, suck the air in through your teeth, as you said, I don't give a shit, in a way that hasn't been seen since Shankly. He's been transformative mm. to this club. That's a fact. I, I speak as I see, and I speak as a guy who's very invested in the history of the club as well. It's yeah. transformative. And I yeah. know what you're yeah. going to say, Carl, it's not transformative until we win the league. And I agree with you. But well, a- I'd also say that 2004 was the dullest year of football I've ever seen, and then we won the European Cup. So that was right. a bit transformative as well. Well, no, no, I don't think it was anything transformative about that at all. I, I, th- I, I think Rafa Benitez we just got we just got lucky when he Ra- no, no, I think the Rafa Benitez era was was wonderful, and he didn't get a chance to build it properly. Yeah, that's the thing. I, yeah. I think I think under a more supportive ownership. We would possibly never have seen Jurgen Klopp because Rafa would have had the resources to grow the club the way that it deserved to be grown at the time, and he still did wonderfully. And I loved the man, uh, and I loved that era. Uh, but it's essentially an early man era, and it looked like it was going to be an early man era with Jurgen. And then we deserved to be in the Champions League final two years in a row. We've won one, and now we're top of the league. And we've been top of the league last year. It is transformative almost, and that league win will push it over the edge. And I'll bow to nobody on that. But Cam, sorry, long winded. Yeah. Um, my my controversial thing, just going back to something you said um, about everybody saying, you know, losing their shit, all the commentators saying it wasn't a penalty. If it was Harry Kane, it was a penalty. And for me, that comes down to one thing, and that's colour of skin and racism because it was Sadio Mane. It wasn't a Liverpool thing. It was because, as Paul Tompkins has proved, people of colour playing for Liverpool generally do not get penalties. We haven't had a penalty at the cop end for over two years. Mm. Telling me we we haven't deserved one penalty in two years at the cop end. There's something I saw this week, actually. It was a very good, uh, was a very good thing. Like, you know, who's had the most um, um, penalties at the cop end? In the last five years, and it's Tottenham. Tottenham, we too. Tottenham have had more than us. Yeah, they had two in the one game against. <laughs> we played it nine times a year. <laughs> with with um, penalty decisions that were as controversial, if you want well, to I, I, take I controversial, there, yeah, yeah, yeah as controversial as the morning one on Saturday. But uh, far, far, far more so. At least, at yeah. least, one, at least one of them was absolutely fabricated. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Lamella one. He jumped well, back. Both of them. Yeah. So, so. Um, you know, were they being? Were, did they mean to be racist? No, but they are being racist in their view, in my opinion. How do you think that works, man? How do you think that works? Because it's quite a hefty accusation to be fucking around there. Um, because you, it, it, at the end of the day, it comes back to a a specific individual uh, making a judgment call, and you're you're like I say, the, the proof is there. None of them. They've all said before previously. If there's a, if there's any contact in the penalty area, and the, the player, you know, it, it's great play by a striker. But it only seems to be great play when it's Hurricane or, or an English player looking for contact. Is what they call it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sadio wasn't looking for contact. He's been cute. Yeah. The guy, the guy kicked him from behind. Yeah. That's not looking for contact. Yeah. Well, well, again, in my in my article, I, I quoted the Kenny thing of when when someone said to him, "How come Liverpool get so many penalties?" and he said, "It's because the opposition keep kicking us in a penalty area." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've you've called that so, before, and it's a belt. Yeah, so, it's a belt. So sometimes, sometimes you get penalties. But, Look, for for for, for just for, finishing the just finishing sorry. the clock. Sorry, go ahead. Just finishing the clock. 
Um, Jake Hum Humphreys, um, although I'm not active on Twitter at the moment, occasionally I'll go and I'll just have a scroll through just to see what's going on in the world because I do like to see what's happening out there if there's anything interesting to read. So I saw something Jake Humphreys tweeted and he, he tweeted something about, and this might lead to where you want to go next, how far Man United are behind us. And the fact that they spent so much money in the last, since Ferguson's left, you know, their net spend has been something like 450 million and Klopp's net spend has been about 150 million in four years. And uh, a Man United fan uh, turned around and said, well, what if we just signed all the Liverpool players? And you know what Humphrey said? You still haven't got club. Yeah, it wouldn't work. You can have the players, but without club, it's not going to work. And that's that. That's where the transformation is. What Klopp has done at this club in four years, four years, think about it, where we were four years ago, you know, after that 1-1 draw with Everton. Yeah. And where we are today. Yeah. You know, finishing, in, in his first season, he finished eighth, Klopp did, with that squad that took us to two two finals. And I was saying this to my, um, to one of my uh, Mank nephews on S Sunday. He came around to watch the Man United game. So I let him watch the Man United game with us. And I, and I said to him, you know how you used, to, you used to say to us, we're not relevant because we weren't a threat to you. That's what you are now. You're nothing. The only time Man United are relevant for us now is when we play you or when you're playing somebody we want you to be or take points off. Otherwise, you're nothing now. You're not. <laughs> did you get a kick out of that, did you? <laughs> of course I did. But the thing yeah. is, thanks for the percent chance of a tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what I was thinking. Jesus Christ, nice uncle. Come around the the game. No, you're all right. Thanks. Oh, no, no. I mean, I'm being mild. You know, the, the shit I've had off all these people for 30 years, this is me still taking it easy. I'm not giving them anything but cold, hard facts. This is the truth. And he and he sat there. He and facts, the brain's right. Incidentally, Trevor, I have to tell you that um, if you have a cup of, uh, of the, the cup that cheers, as PG Widows calls it, around um, Shea Brach, he does get the biscuits out. Was he yeah, hot tubs or? Uh, they were pretty good quality, from what I can remember, Cam. Uh, I think you had shortbread, didn't you? I think I did, yeah. I think it was short, shortbread and maybe a glass of milk. Might be some, uh, some ginger nuts in there as well. Yeah, there was definitely a ginger I'm a big fan of a ginger nut. Yeah. L love a ginger nut myself. Yeah, I can't stand them. Really? Yeah, they're right. That's why you got them out. Just shove them onto the Copac when he comes. Yeah, in. well, it's I don't eat biscuits, so. <laughs> well, I knew Copac likes them. Copac likes everything. Yeah, this, this was this was after after you took seven hours to reverse into a parking spot, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, three goes. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll take a photo of said area. <laughs> it's, it's not really a parking space; it's more of a small forest. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking huge dead end in a cul-de-sac. Uh, <laughs> I just sort of ran out of road. <laughs> <laughs> A few, a few people have been round my place. Um, Harinder Baji, Gags, um, Mo Sal, he's been round. Um, a couple of others, uh, I'm not sure if they listen to pods, but um, some of the lads have been round from London. Trust me, uh, you, you could literally turn a bus around in it. Yeah, you can, yeah. 
<laughs> I'm just trying to be a perfectionist when there's absolutely no need to be. <laughs> Not in the slightest. No. Yeah, I, 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 to, to, to bring a full circle around, um, I do, I do think we should have a, a wee chat at some point about Jurgen, but everyone's going to be doing it this week, especially given the day it's in it. So let's leave that off to one side. And it's also um, Johnny Ramon's birthday today, so I'd like that pointed out, please. I had to put that in the minutes there, Cam. Would you yeah. please? Johnny, uh, Johnny Ramon's birthday. Whoever he is, yeah, he'd be seventy-one. The guitarist at the Ramones. Whoever he is, says Cam. Yeah, I'm just going to let that go with the Joe Gomez comments from last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just every week, something from you. Um, you've completely thrown me now with your with your digressions in the terms of I had a link and now it's gone. I told something you. Something Oh, damn it to hell. I told you I was... Uh, well, can I but, talk about United for a bit? Let's talk about United. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about United because I've got a theory. I'd like, to, I'd like to hear it. I think that I think United uh, have got our 1993 thing going on, which is basically so Liverpool won the FA Cup in 1992. No one was convinced by it. Um, the only um, we only played one um, prim, uh, well first division side, whatever you want to call it, by that back then um, in Aston Villa. We beat Sunderland um, in the who were relegated that year uh, in the final. Yeah, and and Steve Nichols said in his autobiography that he didn't even celebrate that cup win because he knew the team was so bad. Bad, he knew things were going down the pan. Uh, and 1993 was the first year that I thought this Liverpool side is going out expecting to be beaten, and I've never seen that before. And I think United are doing the same thing. They haven't won away from home this year. They're playing kids, which is what we did. We brought in Hutchison and Redknapp in central midfield ahead of people like Thomas and Barnes. Um, and the, 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 they, we started buying mad players like David Speedy, you know, but when Kenny left and what have you. And, um, which was good, obviously, because he scored two very important goals for us. But, you know, like the Jimmy Carter thing, we, we were buying strange things. Justin, Julian Dix. You know, yeah, like Julian that. Dix was one of those. Uh, in fairness, I think Speedy was a Kenny signing and he came in and did a job. Was, but, but, but we just got, we, but we suddenly, we were going from signing like really good players to. Yeah, 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 to pat, patching. We were patching. Yeah. Obviously, we, we, we yeah. really were, and um, I think I think United are going through a similar thing at the moment. They've obviously Gary Neville made a good point about this. Actually, he said ordinarily, he said people talk about the, the, their team of '92. He said, you know, when they, he came, him and his brother came through in skulls. But what the difference with this between them and now is we were standing alongside world class players, Cantona, Mark Hughes, people like that. You know, they were getting us through the tough games. United don't have that now. Well, theoretically, they were supposed to have that in the form of lads like Pogba and McTarian, and however, it turns out they didn't. Like uh, Eric Bailly as well, uh, their goalkeeper. They should have a world-class spine, but they just don't. Um, and and Lukaku. It's, it's Lukaku as well, summarily dismissed um, as n- not needed by by Solskjaer. Uh, here's the thing, right? Just two quick observations. One. Gary Neville, I'm getting hard, harder and harder to um, take his opinion seriously when he's capable of coming out. And I understand it's, I understand it's that thing you were talking about earlier on. It's, it's narrative driving um, for his uh, paymasters when it comes to Sky. But the stuff he was talking about, the nonsense about how it's Liverpool's title to lose now and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, contradicting himself week on week. Because he's rattled massively that we're doing what we're doing. Well, that's what I, if United had won eight from eight and they were shit, that's exactly what I'd be saying. 
Yeah. No, no one full well it couldn't happen. And I get, I, I get that too. I get that to a certain extent. But I mean, I do have one question for you both, um, just based on the sample size that we've seen so far. Um, I don't understand the affection for the man um, in the grander scheme of things at all, let alone the the immediate United fan base, because I don't understand those guys, to be honest with you. I, I know several sound ones, including my own father. Um, but there's just a sort of a skittishness about them as a group that I don't I can't relate to it and um obviously we've been subjected to the worst of them over the years as well which leads to that antipathy which I think is more than valid um um perspective to have if you're a Liverpool fan um but where do you stand I'll come to you first in this camp on Solskjaer being capable of doing this job of 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 getting them out of this because he seems to be quite fated by the media. He seems to be quite a protected species when it comes to, um, you think about how some other coaches have been treated. Um, even, even the, 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 the good old reliable, uh, Brit brigade would have been quicker to be judged. It's quite remarkable. He seems to be the anointed one, um, uh, when it comes to media coverage of him. Mm. Uh, and I've never been convinced by this guy. I think. I just don't understand what it is he's supposed to have as a coach. Um, the rumors about Ferguson um, sort of being involved in the early days were deeply unsettling, as uh, if, uh, I would have thought if you were a proper football fan. Yeah. So what's your take on him? Okay, um, let's just go back to Ferguson leaving and signing David Moyes. So that was obviously a Ferguson choice. He wanted David Moyes. That didn't Our work manager, out. he called him. Our yeah. manager. You know, obviously, you know, he'd been grooming him for 10 years at Everton to uh, take over uh, um, United. That 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 failed, you know, spectacularly. So they then got in a tried and trusted Louis van Gaal. You know, being at huge clubs like Bayern Munich didn't work. Then when he got a past it, Jose Mourinho. Now... Jose's record is phenomenal. You know, you can't, you can't take it away from the guy. It, you know, he's won everything everywhere. You know, he did the treble at Inter Milan. You know, phenomenal achievement. Um, won the Premier League twice, uh, or maybe more times than that with three. Chelsea. Three times there you go with Chelsea. Um, you know, won, did he win the league with Real Madrid? I think probably. He, he probably did, didn't he? So we, we know his record. Failed spectacularly. Where were they then going to turn? They then thought, right, we'll get somebody in who knows United, who understands United, who's got some managerial experience. So who is there out there? Well, they weren't going to go and get Gary Neville. Phil Neville's only managed the uh, England ladies team. Ryan Giggs is doing Wales. He's not got any club experience whatsoever. Who else was left? They weren't going to go back to the dinosaurs of Hughes and Stevie Bruce or anybody like that because they know they're past it. So only really left them Scholzkorn. If you look at Scholzkorn's record, he got Cardiff relegated, then he nearly got him relegated from the championship. Mulder were only second in the Norwegian league. As soon as he left, they went up to first. So either he, he laid a brilliant platform or they just got so much better without him. 
And then they panicked in signing him and giving him that contract. They, they, they absolutely bottled it. They, they, they wanted Poch. The deal that Tottenham wanted, 40 million for Poch. I've seen the text messages from um, Daniel Levy's son. They wanted 40 million, apparently. Supposedly, it's Daniel Levy's son. I suppose anybody could put a name you know, with Levy on there and say it's Daniel Levy's son, if you know what I mean. But I've seen text messages saying that Tottenham wanted 40 million uh, uh, for Poch. No, they'd rather sign Fred for 50 million. You know, they're, 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 they're a shambles of a club from top to bottom. Schultz in the middle of it. He hasn't got a clue. He's like, you know, he's like a deer in the dark and the headlights are coming out and he's just standing there. He's lost. I asked, again, Matthew, I said, what is your style of play right now? What are United trying to do? Because I don't know. Because I haven't got a fucking clue. <laughs> <laughs> And, and and that's the thing. If 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 you're watching it as a fan and you don't know, I'm, and the players don't seem to be doing something on the pitch, he goes, I don't look forward to watching games anymore. He goes, and you know what else he said to me? You're, you're going to love this. He, he goes, United fans now, I'm, I'm seeing it now, how arrogant we've been for all these years. And now we're getting our payback. He goes, you don't deserve it to destroy us as much as possible I said I'm not saying shit until we win the Premier League then I'll fucking destroy you bastards yeah you see that's I'm the not thing. counting my chickens I'm not counting my chickens that's the thing I, I think I think too much too much gloating at their expense is absolutely redundant bullshit until before we, actually, we play them yeah, yeah. Can we not exactly before we play them please well, this is this is kind of where I'm at because I, I and I'm gonna I wanted to come across to you for for this particular reason Carl I mean it is the next fixture fixture it's after this um fortnight layoff um we have i think think been fortunate enough that um mo's not is not going to be i hope so so far the noises aren't too bleak um yeah, yeah, and, and he, he he had that time off anyway i think one or two more of the guys are going to have the time off um yeah. so fingers crossed it's not going to be too horrific uh, of a of a an international break who knows what's going to happen there but we do have them coming out the far end. It is at their place. That in and of itself is sort of a one-off occasion that, you know, leaves you very queasy about making sort of any predictions or uh, being too too um, sneery about their current predicament. Uh, how do you feel about this fixture and what do you think they present as a threat? I think we beat them. Um, and it's been a while since we've beaten them. Um at, at, at the toilet, you mean? Yeah, it was at 2014 last time we beat them there, I think. And um, that was the day when, for some reason, Manchester Police decided to let us out at the same time as United fans. Great idea. Yeah. Cheers, lads. 3-0. Three three we, we had to all walk, walk back to the car so in silence. Um, and uh, I think it slightly changed when we got on the motorway. But um, I think we beat them. I don't think it's going to be like the walkover. There's this thing I saw today on the BBC website where it said Solskjaer's worried about a heavy defeat to Liverpool because it could mean his job. I'm, I'm not falling for that. If there's one game United will be up for, and yeah. their kids are going to be up for, it's going yeah. to be this one. I don't think that's going to be enough for them. They also will, they also will feature far less kids against us. It'll be a yeah. far more um, um, experienced inside of um of of, of... lawful play for start yeah, like this week if, if um, they're fit that is 
Yeah, they are they are carrying a few injuries at the moment. Yeah, I'll be I'll be amazed if they don't have a very strong side out. I'm sure us. I'm sure Pepper sent the doctor over to help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit of horse placenta there, lads. Um, yeah, but but you know you do you do. I, I, I find myself very wary of being too gloating. Now that said, I have to say, if we were to have the outcome that you're talking about, and it is a win of any variety. I may not be able to restrain myself any further at that point. I think that's when my gloating will spill out into. Well, I, th- I think the difference for me is like, I hate this game. I hate United away because yeah, same. Hate because it. because we're we're always on a high for nothing when we go there. But I'm looking forward to the week on Sunday. Can't wait to go. Well, you know our our mutual um, friend Steve Armstrong, who who is the United We Stand. Uh, stalwart um I, I the first few chats i had with that lad i loved because the the antipathy was clear and real and he doesn't hide it and it's exactly like what we'd be with them um but at the same time what he what he, what he always enjoys is the memories of the old days when there was a real edge on things right back in the 80s when it was like sketchy as fuck to go to a united liverpool game as yeah. a fan sketchy as fuck because that's they were the times, right? Um, we don't have that now. However, however, what we do have is this new dynamic where, realistically speaking, um, it's probably never been more tense because they are at this kind of, not all-time low, but really, really recent low ebb, and we're at this really high ebb. Um and I feel, Carl, I'll come across to you then, Cam. I feel as if th- th- this is really poised to be a. It just the way it's coming at the end of the break, the way we are set up, the way the narrative in inverted commas is set up. I just think this is going to be an absolutely ding dong cracker, at least memorable game. What's do you, are you with me on that, or do you think I'm all, all right? the worst game you've ever seen? It could be one of the okay, yeah, okay, because <laughs> that's the way it goes. Isn't it? This is going to be an absolute cracker, and then Jesus, I was speaking of Steve Armstrong, by the way. I've got to, he had my favorite quote of the week, which was during the United Arsenal 1 1 draw when he said, There's every chance that the best game of football at Old Trafford this season may well be soccer aid. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. God, that made me laugh. Yeah. I mean, look. I mean, come as well. Like, like, let, let, let me give you your chat on this because again, you are in 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 the belly of the beast there, surrounded by all your mank relations and mank supporting relations, and you're very much uh, in the minority from what you tell us. I mean, why they get around to his house? I have no idea. <laughs> Imagine this is I could that's what I couldn't get in my head around. Like, are you the only guy who's got? Have you, have you got the best no, TV in the neighborhood? No, or no. The... What it was, he, he was he was on uh, he was on his own uh, across the road, and so he phones me up uh, half an hour of the game's gone, and he goes, uh, "The match." I said, "Yeah, so come round if you want." He goes, "Yeah, fine." So when he got here, I said, "Why have you come here?" He goes, "Well, it's better than watching it on my own." <laughs> it's not, is it? though? <laughs> is it? It's not. I mean. And then, and then the the other the other one of the other mank uh, nephews phoned him at, at the end of the game, and he goes, "Yeah, I'm just round." Uh, uh, he goes, "I'm just round across the road at Uncle's place," and uh, he goes, "Oh," and he and I could hear him in the background. And I, I, I was assuming he said, 
I bet he's uh, ripping you apart and loving it or something. And he goes, no, he's not really said anything, to be fair. He goes, we're talking about anything but football. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, so, so what's your, what's your feeling as we head into this? I mean, I, I hate the game. You, I you're so, hate it. I hate you, this match. You're famously of the three of us, like, and we we established this the last day. I think. Um, I was, yeah, I was. I was really. I was really happy with the way I, I managed to actually uh, sort of articulate this last week. But you know, you're, you're famously the the, the gloomier um, when it comes to predictions. I mean, do you have any angst going into this? Yeah. Uh, you, you, and is it, is it, is it rational? Can you, can you, can you admit to yourself that it's an illogical angst? Because theoretically, on paper, we should beat them no matter what eleven we put against their eleven. It, or it, it, that's completely irrelevant, isn't it? It's Liverpool, Man United. There's, there's no rationale involved in this match, none whatsoever. I mean, if we were playing, if we were playing the twelfth place team, um, this weekend. And it wasn't Man United. I'd be absolutely fine. Cool. Yeah, I've seen nothing but three points, sort of thing. But it's Man United. It, it, it's the same with the Everton game. It's the same with the Man United game. It, I, I, my stomach will be in bits and knots and everything because I hate, hate this this particular game more than any other. I cannot enjoy this game until it's over and we've won. Even when we were three one up. Uh, Anfield this last season, I was still waiting for United to come back and do something right up until the referee blew the whistle for full time. I hate it. I hate this game. Yeah, I, I don't think you're alone. You know, it's just, it, 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 is it like you, do you put it down just to the years and years and years of them being in the ascendancy and those yes. shit, shit results? Um, because you can't make the connection back to the days where we were in the ascendancy. Because let me well, tell we had quite a good record uh, under Rafa against them. We did, but let me tell you something about the the, the great days of Liverpool, um, the great days um, when we were winning title after title and um, cups left, right, and centre. They always had a real chance against us. It was no, there always. It was their fucking season, and they used yeah. you. They usually, invariably, they ended up. Pulling a result out against us, uh, and it it, it was it, it was, was a final. It was a but it was a feature of those days. Now I would love in psychologically, I would love that to be the case again. I don't want it to happen this season, but you know, um, I would love that to be the case again. You know that that, that that's their biggest game of the year. And Cam, I think I'm right in saying. I mean, you t- tell tell me, uh, you, you like I say, you're you're in the belly of the beast. They must be really looking forward to this. No, they're not as well. That's the mad thing about it. Because they know how shit they are. They are anticipating that we're <laughs> going to wipe the floor with them. They, that that yes. is their worry. But at the same time, it's like you said, you know they're going to they're gonna raise their game for this one game. But in a way, that could help us. Because if they come at us, that will play into our hands. If they try and play football against us, that will play into our hands. Just go back to the Leicester game. The Leicester game, if you look at the possession and the total number of passes, it was pretty much 50-50 on both counts. Very, very similar. But we dominated the game. We absolutely destroyed Leicester in shots on goal, shots on target. 
you know, with our XG. We were so superior to Leicester. That's probably the best we've played this season. Yeah, it, that, that's a really interesting point that you make there. That we we did cough up almost equivalent possession to them. Uh, I pretty pretty much sure it was all like it wasn't it's far just, off. It was fifty-one forty-nine, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it, it was so close. Four hundred and eighty passes to four hundred and fifty passes. Right, it was so close. But but it's eighteen shots to two, <laughs> and 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 they had one shot on target and one goal. And yeah. you know there was a there and was that's a, it. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. I know where you're going. That's what it comes back to. It's that one shot on target that they scored from. And whilst I was watching the game, I I felt they're going to get a chance of some sort here. This this is a perfect place for for me to introduce one of the topics I wanted to talk to. And then we're going to have to sort of start segueing out of this altogether because we're approaching the hour. And I do do want to talk about a guy who may well be coming to the end of his contributing time. Uh, And that's Adrian. And... um, you know, seeing as I'm, I'm starting, uh, since I'm talking to you now, I'll start with you, Cam. Um, I, I think the guys, I think he deserves a, a huge amount of credit. Um, I understand, uh, that we have conceded goals and all the rest of it in a way that we weren't used to, but I'll point you to the best defensive records in the league and then, then maybe you can, people can calm down a bit. And, I want. I, I would like it to be on the record because we may never get a chance to chat about Adrian again because Ali may come back and just be dominant for years. Who knows? And well, I think we all hope that. Yeah. We all hope that because in Allison we have just a kind of a generational goalkeeper. He looks Best to be goalkeeper in the world right now. He, he looks to be that guy, and yeah. and he and he he has a di- distinct influence on the guys ahead of him and all the rest of it, but. I, I want to give a little moment to to have a, a bit of a tribute to what Adrian's done since he came in. Him telling Jamie Vardy to fuck off is one of the highlights of yeah. my season. Him him making outrageous stops when um, uh, uh, opposition players were offside just to say, no, fuck you, you will not score, yeah. has been uh, amongst the highlights of my season. I don't think people understand the difference that those little things make. Adrian's made at least six saves, and I know this because I, of my work on Raw. Right. At least six saves, which were from lads who were offside, but they were incredible point-blank saves. And they wouldn't have counted. They didn't count because the kid was offside. And yet they did count because they didn't breach our goal. And you can say all you want to do about the fact that, you know, Ali would have saved this, Ali would have saved that. And I'm one of those guys who, who will say that. There are several things that have happened in recent games I think Alisson would have saved. But uh, uh, Adrian has contributed immensely to where we are now because of those other things. He's made brilliant saves to have counted and he's made brilliant saves to haven't counted. And I think that little international break, the last one, helped him sort his feet out and his kicking mm. got brilliant. Yeah. So I have nothing but praise for this kid. Praise for John Achterberg as well then. Um, for oh, 100%, 100% that narrative bullshit about shit goalkeeping coach. If yeah. he's got good lads to work with, all of a sudden, he's a good they coach. Become, exactly. Um, the best way you can sum this up if it wasn't for Adrian and we still had Mignolet would we have eight wins I think the answer is no well it's clearly no there you go and you can't keep any more praise on a man than that 
he is one of the main reasons, along with the other 11, you know, uh, however many number of players have uh, contributed to this eight-game winning run for the start of the season, um, he is one of the main reasons that we have that eight-game winning run. He's been phenomenal. You can't you can't say any less. He's a, he's he's a wonderful shot stopper. Um, he's not the best shot stopper, but obviously, you know, I mean, it's like you say, there 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 are a couple of uh, goals that he could have done better with. Um, well, two are down to him that I can think of. Yeah, yeah, I can think of the Southampton one. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, uh, but then and yeah, but the Southampton one is the same as what uh, you could say Allison did against Leicester away last year, where he tried to do a, a cross mm, turn that. in the box. I think, well, yeah, but... Yeah. He should have knocked it square. He just got knocked. He should have knocked it square. Alisson should have just booted it, you could say. Same thing. But but, but, but he learned from his mistakes and his feet got better after that. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So, again, you know, there was no damage done with the mistakes they've made. Whereas before, the mistakes our goalkeepers have made have cost us points. And this is the difference because... and, And don't forget... We're, we're nitpicking, really, even with the goal on Saturday. You know, we, we, people can say Alisson would have saved it or he would not have saved it. We're never going to know. We're never, ever going to know. Yeah, and, and but the bottom line is it's not really his fault anyway because it's a systemic problem. Um, there's failure to track runs. There's a centre-halves getting split by one run by a guy who was stuck in there late to play as part yeah, of it. Yeah, that, that was the thing, yeah. You know, and and, and, and well, the other thing was as well, uh, Fabinho was on the wrong side of Paris. Exactly, and yeah. and the, and 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 you know, th- this is where you can get into dark areas because Fabinho had had played a a very yeah, very brilliant. solid game. Um, so look, Carl, I want to give you your chance to have a couple of words on Adriana if you can be arsed, and also I want to give you an opportunity to talk about a guy who you've regularly defended uh despite the fact that myself and cam can't abide his presence in the team and i i you know um the man of the match i have to say the, the like you know this the one thing i'll always the one thing i'll always say about about um the way that i talk about the game is that it's not absolutist um and it's certainly never ever from a period of snobbery or superiority or holier than thou and when someone comes in and does well and this is what to be fair, Cam has always said this as well. This is all I ever wanted from Dejan Lovren was to do his job well. And fuck me, he did his job well at the weekend. He was class. He was class. He was, he, and I think, I think you'd have to be searching in a way that's agenda ridden to find the thing where you could say, well, actually, he's at fault for X, Y, or Z. I can't blame him. I'm, I'm not going to blame him for any part of the goal at all. He's one, he's, he's one of two centre halves who's split by a run. So you put all that together. His distribution was excellent. His clearances were tremendous. He got some amazing headers away from corners and uh, foot ins. But his, the best part of Dejan's game for me was how confident he was in possession, sliding it down the line to Trent or whoever happened to be. Yeah, it was great. And I want like I, I think. Speak to me for a second about Adrian, but then if you want to chat about Lover, I think I think the whole Adrian thing stems from the very second he came on against Norwich. I was very high up in the cop uh, for that, and there was a sense of oh god, the keeper's gone off. But everyone was in such a good mood that we we went big on his celebration when he came on, and I think that's got to that. And this is a Klopp thing, obviously the big spirit, and you know, um, everyone gets a handshake, everyone gets a hug. So when he came on. He was elated to be on that pitch, and that really came over to the crowd as well. Like he applauded the coppers, he ran on, and he hadn't, he hadn't done a thing yet. He hadn't, he hadn't kicked a ball in anger for Liverpool. 
And I think it was that spirit that the, the crowd got behind straight away. And I think that's what improved them. I, I didn't mind them at, um, at West Ham at all. We, we, we beat them 2-1 uh, in 2014. And I thought, that lad's difficult to get past him. He's pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've, for that game, I was literally second row, so I watched him for the entire game. But I, I, that, it always comes back to that Norwich game for me, where just straight away, you just thought, I'm one of you lads, this is going to be good, isn't it? And everyone bought into that straight away. Where ordinarily, you'd think, oh God, who's this? Um, and I, so I think that's sort of a, whatever the, the opposite of hangover is from last season. Because everyone was such a good, in such a good mood for Norwich. That, that just, he got the good mood as well. Okay, we, we've had this setback. Look, everyone, we're going to bring on our new keeper. He's going to be great, isn't he? And he is. And yeah, yeah you know, he is responsible for the odd goal, but he's not Allison. So you know, that you know, it's 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 not exactly the most easiest step up for him to get the number one shirt, is it? That's not going to happen. But you know, it's um, I, I think he's been fantastic. I think I think he's been a, 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 a to go old Kenny for a second. He's been a credit to his family. Uh, <laughs> yeah, part of the modern game. And uh, and I think he's been fantastic. And and as for Lovren, I, I was just impressed by um, he, he can't be easy being Dayan Lovren because your own club doesn't like you very much, but his manager clearly does. And and I thought he, I, I wanted to see him ahead of Gomez. I thought Gomez really struggled against Salzburg, and um, I just thought he was fantastic. And this is the thing about my Dayan Lovren thing. People say you know I'm not the biggest fan in the world of him, but I think he's more good than bad. Yes, he makes mistakes, but they all make mistakes. It just seems more because of him. And when people say, so I said this on Twitter, I got tons of abuse for it as well. And someone said, uh, said, yeah, but he said he was, he was, um, he said he was one of the best, the best in the world. He didn't say that. He said he was one of the best. In the one world. of the best. And to, yeah. be, and to be fair, he was about to play in a World Cup final. So you know that's not bad. That lad is not shit if you're playing in a World Cup final. I mean, all right, they got bummed, but you know, fair enough. They beat England. Um, so. I don't see that the, the Lovren thing. Maybe it's just because I've got a culture of being um, argumentative, and if everyone thinks this lad's crap, and I don't think he is, I, I defend him even more. I but, think there's uh, a massive part of that, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but 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 I do always appreciate the fact that you'll stand up for a man. And listen, and and listen, people will know that it, neither Cam nor myself are being idiots about it either. In that, like, oh no no not at all. I say we that. like I would genuinely I genuinely love the kid. I think like I I, I loved I love the lad, but I don't. My point is, I never want to see him starting for us because there's a rick in him, and I love the fact that he got through that game flawlessly. Um, and I love the fact that it vindicated a club decision, which, um, you know, is timely. Um, considering what we were talking about earlier on, and look, we are now gone past the hour mark, and I'm looking at that, and I just am aware that we, I want to keep it reasonably tight. So, if there's a specific thing you want to talk about. Uh, that's Reds related that we didn't get to this is your time to pipe up I'm not sure what happened there that sounds like what's that what's that is you're making your microphone make noises there sorry I may be sending a text and my thumb may have touched the microphone Jesus Jesus it sounded like your microphone was uh, not sure as you you can see folks Carl's fully committed to the pod look at him there sending a text was was I'm giving to, to my agent about more more conference gigs coming up. Get out, get out of this podcast. <laughs> um, so here's what I want to do. Watch your back, Downey. Watch oh, your back. I want to go to the last. Uh, I want to go to the last moments of the 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 show. The usual last moments of the show. Now, Carpac normally recommends. I'm going to recommend something today. Um, I'm going to recommend that people Drugs. go. 
go and see uh, <laughs> my presenting please skills. Be drugs. Please be drugs. Yeah, what, what are you on, Trev? What have they put I you had, on? I had morphine once. It's fucking brilliant. No, oh, it's amazing stuff. Oh, <laughs> I was... Should we be saying this? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I had morphine because of an operation. And when I, the, the, when I came round, I think it was the next day, and um, I was just like, oh, God, just give me more of this. I was yeah. literally, I was out of the bed and I was dancing, and I can't dance. Trust me, I cannot dance, but I was dancing. So, oh, fucking hell, glorious. Anyway, sorry. That's, I, why, I, that's I, why we call the AA mainline pod. It's, it's, you know, it's a bit like the old shisha sometimes. That goes to me head as well. What, does, what the, old, the old what? Shisha. Oh, yeah. Do you like a bit of shisha? Yeah. I I've, I've had it about three or four times in my life. Yeah. So, uh, I had some I, four, about five, six weeks ago, I had some. A mate of mine who's uh, one of these like world traveler dudes, he brought one of those back. Um, oh. And we, we went to this apartment that he bought at the height of the Irish property boom for an amazing amount of money. It was a lovely gaff. And he just, he, done it out to the nines god bless him and i just i I was building my house at the same time and it was all kind of like happy days roaring celtic tiger bullshit and uh he broke out shisha pipe and uh we start we started uh uh, sampling its delights and i have to say it was completely lost on me I, i didn't get whatever the thing was whereas he seemed to be half off his gourd and so much so that as he brought it from one room to the other his new carpet got completely destroyed by the hot colds which were therein uh, because oh. he spilled the whole thing and it was just a disaster man a disaster of massive proportions and we were just like pu- literally putting out fires for the rest of the night so when i hear shisha i just think the domestic uh, carnage so what i was saying was i was going to do a recommend i was going to do a recommendation and the recommendation was going to be a long, rambling thing about a film. And do you know what? Now I'm just going to recommend the Greg's vegan sausage roll, which I had as a treat <laughs> after uh, the operation, because it was class. So, nice. uh, man, I was I was fully expecting it to be shit. And I bought a proper sausage roll and a vegan one to have beside each other. And I just ate in case. One yeah. mouthful of one, one mouthful of the other, because everyone knows, anyone who knows me knows that sausage rolls are actually my favorite food in the world. Um, and uh, one mouthful of one, one mouthful of the other. And, you know, they're not comparable at all. At the same time, that vegan one is great. I probably won't ever have it again, but fair play to them. They've done a good job there. So that's my recommendation. Um, let me get to your final thoughts. Uh, Branchy, you're on. So let's go to you first for a change. Cool. Keep your face always towards the sunshine and shadows will fall behind you. Love that. What's that bit? Uh, don't know. Just liked it. Walt Whitman. <laughs> hey, Walt fucking Whitman. Walt Whitman. Love it. Uh, Carl. So, Cam, Cam, you know Walt Whitman's most famous line, don't you? Um, no, I can't say I do. Oh, Captain, oh, Captain. We are but food for... That's from Dead Poets Society. That's Walt Whitman. Oh, right. Carpet okay. boys, we are food. Me, me are food for worms. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Which I always used to steal for Stephen Gerrard articles. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember that. Yeah. All the time. All the time. Jerry, yeah, get, yeah. get the Walt Whitman quote out. Um, I don't think he said we are but food for worms. So maybe he did. I'll have a look at it. Um, my recommendation this week, Trev, um, which, as you know, I spent a long time thinking about during the week. 
um, is um, and not in the last five minutes is um, Peter Cook. Um, I'm pretty much obsessed by anything 60s related. And Peter Cook um, will be known by younger viewers for not a great deal. Um, but basically, he was generally considered to be the funniest, wittiest man of his decade. Um, uh, he obviously did a lot of things with Dudley Moore, uh, Derek and Clive, um, uh, Pete and Dud. And, um, but his acidic put-downs are just the stuff of absolute dreams. My favourite quotes of his when... So when he was at Cambridge, he was at 18, he was already writing West End show reviews for Kenneth Williams, uh, who was obviously the biggest star of the day. And he was writing shows for him at 18. And some man came up to him once in um, in a court in Cambridge and said to him, hello, Peter, I'm writing a novel. To which he replied, really? Neither am I. Fantastic. That's great. And my other favourite one was when David Frost, who he had a love-hate relationship with, because he, he basically... Sort of David Frost also just jumped on his back and became more famous than him. Um, in 1987, <laughs> he rang up and said, uh, David Frost rang up and said, um, Peter, just to let you know that um, a week on Thursday, uh, I've got um, Prince Andrew and his lovely uh, fiance Sarah Ferguson coming over for dinner. Be a tremendous opportunity for you to meet the, the happy couple before their, work, their marriage. He said, Oh, that's nice, David. I'll just, just let me just check my, uh, my diary here. He said, ah, um, ah, it appears I'm watching television that night. Good night. <laughs> That's I, my... I implore you to look at anything with Peter Cook yeah. in it. He's just amazing. That's my favorite Cook line of all time. And yeah. considering he's involved with Private Eye and also the wonderful um, Derek and Clive stuff that uh, Carl has mentioned well, as well. Well, Pete as well. And uh, there's a sketch of yeah. the, the, the Frog and Peach, which I think might be the funniest non-PG Woodhouse comedy ever written. Say again, say again, what's it called? There's, Just so there's, a sketch, there's a sketch called The Frog and Peach. The Frog and Peach, there you go. Which is about a man who opens a restaurant in the Yorkshire, in the heart of the Yorkshire Moors, which only sells frogs or peaches. And he's been, and he's <laughs> been interviewed. It's just amazing. There you go. Specific recommendations from the start of the show to the end of the show. What more can we do you? Um, on that note, we will finish up this episode of the Anfield Index podcast with me thanking you once again for being our loyal listeners. We appreciate you immensely. Um, we would appreciate if you grow our numbers by telling other people about us. Uh, the show lately is a sort of a lovely opportunity for myself and the two lads to chat about everything and anything. And we enjoy that. And if you don't enjoy that, maybe tell us. If you do enjoy that, maybe tell us. We don't have massive interaction because we don't court it, to be perfectly honest. Um, and I'm a kind of becoming increasingly aware of that. I want to grow this show bigger. Uh, I, I started talking about that a long time ago, and then I kind of let it slide. Let's do that. So, like I said, if you have a friend who you think is a red or might be interested in podcasts that talk about mad stuff that we're interested in tell them about us let's grow this thing a bit bigger and let's see how it goes i've been trev downey until we speak to you again be kind to your fellow reds and stay safe out there Podcast Network.